Welcome everyone to twig number 205. I think I'll call this one the even more metaverse edition after last week's very enjoyable book club for the metaverse book. Uh, we will be talking about a specific metaverse, not the theoretical metaverse, but we'll be talking about all the news coming out of uh, Facebook and their uh, Horizon metaverse woes. Uh, we're covering a bunch of news stories today, Overwatch 2, uh, PlayDots being shut down, NVIDIA fundraising, cloud, oh, we're doing Netflix and cloud gaming. I thought uh, Telford told us not to cover this. Anyways, <laughs> all this and more on this week's Twig after a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Recent changes in the app stores are boon to mobile game developers. Now you can sell in-game items and currencies with big savings on transaction fees. And Exola just added three new features to their web shop for mobile game solution to help you level up your monetization practices outside the app stores. The three solutions are subscriptions, analytics, and promotions. Now subscriptions are a smart add to your mobile revenue strategy. They boost game revenue with predictability while maintaining a lawyer user base. Analytics give you data, and data has become fuel on which modern society runs. If you don't know your players, you won't know what they want or how to get them to click that buy button. Analyze your data so you can create critical piece of the purchasing puzzle. Finally, promotions allow you to easily reach out to opt-in players via email or Discord and other channels to bring them to your web shop on your website. You'll be able to generate new sales and keep more profit. To find how to get started, visit exola.pro slash mobile or go to the link in this podcast description. All right, so we've got me, uh, Ethan Levy, uh, uh, here today, the uh, gamer in residence at Connect Ventures. I've got Laura Toronto and Eric Kress. Uh, Laura, what's your job title? I actually don't, I know you're a... Uh, uh, I want to say director of production, product management. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, close, close enough. Close. I, I'm in the realm. My my official title is I'm the senior director of product at Big Fish Games, and then I'm Ooh. also heading up um, new game development. Senior director of product and new game development. Very exciting. And Eric Kress, of course, number one bomb thrower, sayer of mice nuts, and runner of Gossamer Consulting Group. Wow, these interviews are uh, these introductions are so formal. Um, I will. My only update is that uh, uh, the team won the championship. Jacob crushed it in the last game. We actually lost to this team in the in the regular games, and then we beat them in the in the championship. 
Uh, and this was like a super team that was created just for the tournament. So it felt good to crush them with our team. Um, and Jacob got MVP for the tournament uh, based upon his, primarily on his performance in the last game. He didn't play particularly well for the other games. But anyway, your son doesn't um, listen to your podcast. No. I'm sorry, Jacob. You, he, no, he knows, knows. this week he was knows. dog shit and last <laughs> week was where the real <laughs> what's what's really funny is that some of the people on the team actually have listened to the podcast and me cursing like a sailor and they look at me like you know that 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 strange look <laughs> anyway um yeah so it was it was a great tournament uh and uh good to beat these these uh super teams that are put together in seventh grade which makes no sense um all right let's get updates oh, you, you don't want to hear if, i want to hear how laura's move is going how, how are you doing where in the world are you? What's going on? Oh, <laughs> this is every week. Sorry, you're like, my update's done, and obviously the audience doesn't care about any of the other hosts. <laughs> so let's talk about the news. Okay, super quick. I have a sofa, and I'm sitting on it. So that's, that's good. That's my update for this. Yeah, week. you're adulting. You're adulting really well. <laughs> She's now. An ad- yeah, she's a dog. And, it, and it's not a futon. I checked. I made sure it wasn't a futon. If it was a futon, I wouldn't give her credit. Or I'd give her half credit. But Eric did ask me, did you get the the one that was already in stock? And I was like, oh, I did. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> picked whatever they had. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any uh, uh, life updates other than to say that I finished uh, She-Hulk Season 1 yesterday. And that is a wonderful, delightful series. And I recommend anyone who's a fan of comics watches it oh my god my my i already told you my son just hates it i actually enjoyed it um oh by the way your navic podcast was tip wait what's the right word i can't even think of the word anyway it was amazing dude that guy just the debate about uh crypto and and blockchain was like just kind of summarizes all my thoughts on blockchain so so when you said Um, in slack that i got destroyed what you meant was I agreed with everything the other person said. <laughs> well, I, I think what I meant what I meant was that, that that the bull case for blockchain was just kind of just eviscerated by I, that guy, you know, and whether or not he's right or wrong, I thought yeah. he articulated it really well. It's like this stuff has existed for a long time. Yeah. This is a long debate, but so, I, I won't go into it. But I, I would recommend listening to it uh, to talk about it with... Um, you know, just to talk it from his, say, from a game developer's perspective, clearly someone that's been working. So Eric's talking about uh, the latest episode of Novix Metacast, which, you know, friend, friends of the podcast over at Navic. Uh, Alex Takei, uh, it was her first episode as host. Uh, it's someone I've been talking to and giving a little assistance to along the way. And we had a debate uh, with uh, Tim, uh, who's the CEO of Frost Giant Games, uh, now Small Giant? Frost Giant, Frost Giant Games, uh, on on why I'm bullish and why he's skeptical of crypto games, and uh, I think it was a really good debate. You know, everyone was level headed, no name calling. I, I think there was plenty uh, to latch onto on either either side of the uh, uh, spectrum. And you know, end of the day, I believe in it. I understand why you know Gen Xers who are uh, 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 conservative <laughs> in their thinking and not willing and able to see the potential uh, of this innovative new monetization model. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to convince anybody with, an, with a, a debate. It's going to only come with action. But um, it was really fun. Alex did a great job as host. I, yeah. I, it was good. It was good. And, and 
And a shout out to Alex, who's been a fan of the podcast for a long time. And uh, she's relatively young and she um, is at Stanford Business School. And she's she's brilliant and, and really like, you know, aggressive. And I, I, I really do like her. I, I met with her at Bitcraft. And so she seems to be knowledgeable enough and, and smart enough to, to really manage that podcast well and, and really go deep into the crypto stuff with, um, you know, smart people. So I, right. I recommend it. Okay. Well, let's get now. Right. Now, we now can, can we do updates? News. Now you're allowed. All right. Let's take it. Let's go to the news. All right. So first. I have two updates. I'll go first. I have two updates in the kind of the casual, casual mobile area. First one, take two to shut down mobile developer play dots. That's the official title. It's slightly misleading. Um, it actually sounds like the studio is closing but they are not laying off talent. They are moving them to Zynga slash other studios. I could be wrong on this. That was my takeaway from the article. Happy to be corrected. The game, uh, the game Two Dots will still be run. Um, it sounds like at another studio, except it didn't say where. I, took a, I just dug around a little bit to see uh, why they would potentially do this. Um, Take Two acquired PlayDots uh, two years ago. They were based out of New York City, which I think most for the for the U.S. they would know, but for outside U.S., it's a very high cost of living area, and it would be very very expensive game to maintain. Um, I'm from New York City. I remember there wasn't actually very many studios out there for for that reason. Revenue for last year for the game has been relatively consistent. Uh, the game's actually grown since the acquisition. I looked at just comparing kind of the last October to October. Um, revenue was up, looked like 28 million October to September last year to 34 million. Um, to me, this seems like this seems like purely a, a margins play. The game is still is still doing fine. It's still a revenue generator, but if they want to increase, if they want to have more, they want to be taking more out of the pot, then it would make sense to move this to a lower cost location or reduce the size of the team. And it sounds like that's why they're doing both. And so quick I, update on that. I, I believe that Zynga also has a, an existing New York City office. I think I want to say they did uh, slots games out of there. And take two probably as New York office too. So this could simply, I mean, this could be consolidation for cost saving. Um, yeah. I don't know. Let me be clear on this one, right? This is the be only the beginning. The next 12 to 18 months is going to be an absolute shit show for Zynga, right? Because what is going to happen, and this is so obvious to me, and this is actually not a reflection at all on the quality of the teams really, is that they are not hitting revenue targets. They are down a lot, right? And they are going to have to cut costs in order to maintain profitability. Like full stop. That's what happens when you do acquisitions and they're not working, right? And so <laughs> we're just going to keep seeing these news teams getting moved, teams getting shuttered, you know, products getting shut down, right? It is going to be an absolute train wreck. Um, uh, and and it'll. Th this is just the beginning. Frankly, two dots actually looks really good from the performance perspective when I'm looking so at if it. You, um, and if so, if you look at something like the uh, Discovery Warner Media merger and all the things from Warner that are being cut and all the layoffs at, at Warner that are happening as as the people at Discovery look for cost savings and look to trim fat, um, is that kind of similar to what you would predict out of uh, Zynga as it's more and more integrated into the larger company? It. it the, 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 
it's a different, well, it's a little bit different because the cost cuts were required. Like, I think, you know, I can't really speak about Warner uh, Gaming, but on the Warner uh, video side, like it was just clearly that CNN was out of their minds, you know, trying to build a subscription service to their crap content, right? So it's like, like they had to do that like immediately and 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 right size those businesses and, and kind of turn them around. So yeah, like those cost cuts are thing. The difference between this one is because they promised something and the expectation was set that they were going to grow 10 to 15% for the next three or three to five years, right, out of this business. But right out of the gate, they're down 15. So they have a 30% delta between where they were, expectations were, and where they are, right? And so, and maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe it's like 15%, 10%, whatever. It doesn't matter. The fact is that if they are at that level and they continue to be at that level, which there's no evidence that they won't be, they need to cut costs to a, a accommodate for that. And and the only way you can cut costs is, is, is variable or fixed. And, you know, like variable was like marketing dollars, which would make the revenue continue to be worse, or you, you reduce headcount, which basically allows you to continue to be at the same profitability level at these lower revenue. Or you move to a lower uh, cost of living so, area. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and then maybe lower cost of, that'll be part of it and stuff. But I think they got, they, they got a turd and they got to polish it into some kind of rock, right? Because <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a diamond, right? There's no diamond here, right? It's just going to be, it's going to be really tough, really tough to manage out of this, uh, as they said, expectations that were ridiculously high. So, um, and the only way they can get out of this is if somehow miraculously the UA market turns around and we start seeing growth in these core franchises, which... There's no fucking way that happens, right? UA is just toast right now. Um, and no matter how much you want to believe, it's not. We're not in the same environment that we used to be. And I keep hearing people telling me that, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. I still can't believe people are making that argument. Um, so anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's going to be messy. Messy! Right. So Cress, Cress predicts more shutdowns, layoffs, shuffling, and canceled projects uh, during this integration. All right. I think shuffling, correct. yes. I'm, I'm hoping not for more layoffs, but I think shuffling does make sense. Oh, thousands. Okay. I mean, this is, uh, there, there are a lot of companies preparing for recession, uh, both in our industry and in other tech. I mean, like Microsoft just announced a thousand layoffs. This has nothing to do with. You don't think? That's, this has nothing to do with the recession. No. no. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So far. Go ahead. Okay, um, next topic. Next topic. Or, yeah, next topic. <laughs> um, this is super quick. So there is, so I, I'm a big fan of dream games. I played Royal Match when it first came out. So I like keeping an eye on what's going on in the Turkish gaming market. Um, former Peak executives have raised $5 million for a new studio called Magic Games, and they are working on a new unannounced Match 3 title with social competitive play which frankly is, you know, it's their wheelhouse. It seems to me, I find this super interesting because it seems very much like they want to take on Dream Games, which also the founders came also from Peak. So there's a big opportunity here. I'm almost wondering if, I'm wondering what the relationship is between the founders of both companies. If maybe the magic ones now are like, well, we, we, we see a great opportunity. It's a shame we missed it the first time. We should have done this earlier. And now they're going for it or, or some other reason. Anyway, something I'm going to keep my eye on this because I'm, I'm very interested to see what comes out of the studio. So the super quick update. All right. I will get to my <clears throat> quick ones. Um, 
The first one is the in, uh, NVIDIA unlaunches the unwanted RTX 4080 12 gigabytes. This is unprecedented, right? They come out in the big like bubble blue or whatever the expression is and, and launch all these products. And one of which was the RTX 12 gigabyte, which was a really weird launch because it was not the performance upgrade that people expect, particularly for the price. Cause I think it was like $300 price point uh, bump and it just didn't have the performance and it was based on old tech. So it never really made sense. It was some interim skew that might've been, I don't know what they were thinking, but anyway, they basically pulled it, right? So they announced it and quote unquote soft launched it. And it was gonna be a launch the next two two weeks or something. And then they just said, look, we're canceling it all together, right? Um, so, and what's crazy is that the rest of the lineup, the 4080, 16 gigabyte, and then the 4090 were amazing pieces of kit. Like these things are insane in terms yeah. of their power, right? Um, and from a hardcore PC gamers, this is like, you know, I've, the holy grail I've, type I've stuff, present, right? So prevent myself and, from buying one of these big things. <laughs> A couple times. Oh, no. These cards are like $1,100 and $1,500. I mean, they're just absolutely insane. Frankly, if I was going to buy that, I should buy that instead of Oculus. Yeah, right? try, and, try and convince your son that, um, that he needs an, an RTX, uh, a newest RTX card and not an Oculus well, Quest. Now, right. Now, the problem with these cards is they are so freaking massive because they have these absolutely huge fans. And I think they take three slots. I, I, yeah, three slots, and they're freaking heavy as hell, and they're huge, right? Um, they're almost the size of a PlayStation right? because it's that, they're that big. And so you need a really big case, and you need the power to run it, right? So it, 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 it's a very niche card is what I'm trying to say. But what's really great about these cards is that and at 4K running like um, uh, ray tracing games that are enabled there, that's when the performance really matters. But... The core performance as well without ray tracing is also really, really good on these cards. But again, these are really high-end cards that are completely ridiculous, um, that are really only for the enthusiasts. But, um, and if you only have like a 1080p monitor, don't bother, right? It doesn't, doesn't, it won't make any bit of difference. But very cool. But I, the, the funny part is that they had to like cancel this launch of this product that was didn't make any sense and everyone was up in arms about. So it could have been so much cleaner if they just released these two big cards. Um, all right, that's a quick one. Uh, the next one, and maybe this shouldn't be quick, but I think it should be because I'm not going to give it any more weight, is uh, Netflix to expand into cloud gaming and op opening a new studio. Um, so Netflix into cloud gaming, I, you know, of course, throwing up in my mouth every time I listen to anything about cloud gaming. But what 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 he says, Verdue says in the in the in in the in the article is that this is a completely different business model. The hope is that they build a build sorry build new games for experiences that you can play wherever you want this is not meant to be a console replacement that's what he's basically saying and in that context i actually agree and I, i've said this in the podcast before i think what makes this is what makes netflix's strategy interesting if they build new content to deliver to episodic content or you know play adventures or whatever like that fits within the business model of what netflix is doing and that is like the promise of what netflix can can bring new to the interactive industry. Um, if they're trying to compete with consoles, I think that's idiotic, right? I mean, that, that, frankly, I mean, we've already gone over this a million times. Um, but what annoys me the most about this fucking announcement is that now Netflix is gonna allocate a percentage of Netflix subs to their cloud forecasts, right? That, that's how they're gonna account for Netflix's cloud gaming 
thing once it's initiated. And so now though that revenue focus is go is gonna go up to the fucking moon, right? And the reality of it is a feature is not a market. A feature is not a market. It's part of an overall product. Um, but anyway, I think this could be really cool. I frankly think it's cool, right? Because I think what Netflix is doing right now is not interesting. Like they're building tchotchke games on mobile that may or may not, you know, engage people. Who knows, right? But if they create a new type of interactive media, that is where I'm getting excited about what Netflix is doing. What do you guys think? Well, I, um, I mean, I... Since I do a lot of console gaming and, and PC gaming, like the appeal of cloud gaming to me is that it, I have a shrink wrap co copy of Cyberpunk on, on the bookshelf right there. If if I want to play it, I need to prepare a full night ahead of time, right? If I want to play that shrink wrap game, I have to make sure my PlayStation's updated and install it. That's that's a full. There's a full twenty four hour preparation cycle on playing a game that I've purchased. And, and what I would love, what I think cloud gaming can solve is jump in instantly and play on your device while you're downloading. But okay, right now, but that's not what we're talking about. Right that's now, not. I'm what, just saying, like, why yeah. I as a gamer am, am interested. Where I see cloud gaming fitting into how I already behave is that if they can let me leap into a high quality experience instantly, like if there's a. Um, what was the uh, the old guard? Was that the movie with Charlize Theron? That's going to be a series now. Like that that movie was awesome. If there was like a battle royale game that on my phone I could tap a button and launch into a three D battle royale game with without the long uh, wait of a traditional game, like that's a value add to me. So I, I can see it. I mean, I think it's interesting. It plays into their uh, infrastructure, which one would expect they have a better streaming infrastructure than probably anybody else trying cloud gaming so like if it's gonna work it might work whoa whoa whoa! no 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 you no, don't no, think no. they have a better stream no hold on see this is no no hell no this is this is exactly where people get confused is that their streaming infrastructure is for video right which doesn't require any type of latency issues or or performance issues or control issues that that go on like they would have to build out a system like stadia does or Microsoft xcloud in order to be to deliver any type of like uh, interactive content, like that's a completely different animal altogether. Different server systems, different like they have to have GPUs in in in, in the rack. Neither you or like, I are engineers. It's a completely so different. We're both probably kind of talking out of their ass here. No, no, but... I, no, no. I looked. No, I've been looking. I've been talking about this stuff forever. I've right. been researching this thing forever. It's completely different skill set. I, uh, I understand deliver, they're they're different. Uh, I'm just saying, like, don't you think they have a bigger head start than other people approaching cloud gaming from scratch due to the amount? Well, only because the only only because they're going to white label Google Stadia stuff most likely, or Nvidia, right, and and use their uh, infrastructure to to support it. Yeah, sure. They're but it's expensive as fuck, right? It's not like you know, it's far more expensive to deliver interactive content than it would be to deliver uh, um, TV content, movie content. So anyway, but that's not what they're doing. They're not doing what Stadia was trying to do. They're basically going to deliver their own type of content. So what they really need, and this is the most important thing, they need a control scheme of some sort. Are they going to have sell a controller? I mean, what control scheme are you going to, what's going to work, right? Or if it's, you know, whatever. And then they need content, right? And that, and that takes forever. Right. So good luck, you know, like build content, find the, the people that make content, 
make something compelling. And I, and I, and I'd be interested. I think it'd be cool. Um, but there's no money in it for developers, right? I mean, they're going to pay, right? But there's no upside the way other platforms offer. So as we've talked about before, all right, moving on because <laughs> everyone is sick of both Netflix of and cloud gaming. The amount we talk about it relative to the two topics importance. Um, all right. Uh, I have two quick stories. Uh, one is that I have to pour one out for G4 TV. Uh, G4 is being shut down less than a year after it launched. So if you don't know, uh, G4 a long time ago on cable was the initial before streaming, before Let's Plays, before Twitch. Uh, G4 was a television network dedicated to hardcore gaming. Um, and uh, some, I think Comcast revived it in the past year. And uh, within a year, it is being shut down. Um, this doesn't surprise me that it's being shut down because like how can it trying to start a video game cable channel right now is like trying to compete with all of YouTube. Like how, how could you possibly compete with the volume of qua uh, of quality content on Twitch and YouTube gaming and Facebook gaming and mixer. And like, how can you, how can you compete with, you know, Ninja and, and Pokimane and Valkyrie and all these people who have their massive followings um, already on, on these platforms. So a valiant effort, um, not too surprising. And, and it's just sad. I, I used to watch attack of the show, which was G4's best show. And they actually appeared, uh, as a college student on, uh, two episodes of their like head to head gaming no, show, which no is, uh, I, I, uh, they're pretty embarrassing if, if you dig in. But I was sorry, much scared. On this. <laughs> I'm not surprised because I don't think people who would actually watch that content have cable. I mean, who has, yeah. who still, who still signs up for cable? Yeah. I mean, I like I, yeah. IGN has their own channel, like on Roku free channels, there's an IGN channel and it's because they produce so much video content. It's like a byproduct, right? It's a natural byproduct to have an IGN 24 hour channel that, that, recycles all, all the content from their website and their social media feeds and all their live coverage and everything. But like, yeah, I think the the audience for gaming content is young. They're on YouTube and Twitch and they're not subscribing to cable. No, they're not going to pay like $400 a yeah, month. I, yeah. The, anyway. the only point I'll make here is that the quality level of this service was super high like the people that were involved with it were are really really good at what they do like this is not like some kind of like tchotchke group of, of people that just pulled it together this was like they spent a lot of money and they got the right people to do it i think you're right exactly what you're saying is that this is a product without a market like we just you know like the market has already moved on and then on top of that we're seeing like this unprecedented uh, low levels of, of engagement within consoles right now because of the platform transition like you don't build a service during the lull of the platform transition. You build it as you grow. And I bet they assumed that that was happened. And then this, the last thing I'll say is that they only gave it a year. I think, I think if they had like, nah, no, I don't. Never mind. I was going to say it. <laughs> they waited another year. It might make sense. I think cutting bait makes it more sense right now and, and moving stuff more yeah, online. I like, focusing on that. Makes I feel sense. like That's there the is a opportunity for esports as you know, like an individual, you know, sports center style show that plays on other networks, but not a 24 seven network 
just for it right now because that the need for that is so well served with Twitch and YouTube and other streaming that like it doesn't it's like launching a a, a cable channel to try and compete with Twitter like how how you know um, anyways. Uh, other story. Overwatch, this is from Kotaku, Overwatch 2's free-to-play grind and battle pass system has players wanting loot boxes back. Um, two quotes from the article. Players have become so disappointed with the hero shooter's free-to-play grind and battle pass system that they're longing for the days when the original game had loot boxes. And then uh, goes on to say, user Leafy Bamboo who is a forum user, summarized the game's battle pass system as frankly insulting in comparison to Overwatch 1's contentious loot box system. While the randomness of opening a loot box in Overwatch 2 often resulted in getting duplicate skins, voice lines, or emotes, Leafy Bamboo argued that coins received from duplicate items at least gave the players virtual currency to put toward the skins they actually wanted. And then there are other articles complaining about the length of the grind and the cost of the skins. And just as, as someone who's worked in, in monetization design for quite a while, um, monetization design is as much of an art as a science. You have to balance the needs of the business, the revenue targets and revenue generation with the needs of the player, which are to have fun, make progress, and to get constant positive reinforcement and affirmation, all, all the things you, you want from your parents but never get. That's what the games give you. But everything I've, I've read between this article and the high price point, it, this is what I think is happening. And I could be completely wrong, right? Uh, I think what's happening is that there were probably very high forecast and revenue targets for this game because they're taking a blockbuster AAA franchise, turning it into free-to-play. So they're foregoing all the guaranteed revenue they could have gotten by selling an Overwatch 2 box. And, um, and my guess is that, like, uh, trying to meet those needs of the revenue targets won out over the player experience when it comes to tuning and pricing. Uh, the response from players, at least from what we're reading in, in the press, is so negative. It's reminiscent of EA's Battlefront loot boxes in terms of blowbacks that I'm guessing, like, inside Activision Blizzard, there's a lot of finger pointing. I bet there are people on the dev team going, see, this is what happens when you get greedy and do free-to-play. We never should have done free-to-play. We never should have done loot boxes. We never should have changed anything. We should just be a premium game like our players want and like we want to make. And then on the other side, there are business people saying, see, this is what happens when those artsy game devs don't listen to us and we didn't. they didn't make the right choices and they never believed in it. Like... That's what I imagine is happening, but um, it, it's all conjecture. Um, but I guess I'd say taking a tentpole franchise free-to-play is not something that should be taken lightly. And it feels like my, my guess is Overwatch 2 was pushed out the door to hit a target date when it probably needed a lot more time testing, uh, testing with the community, testing these progression curves live you know, with people and getting uh, iteration and feedback based on community involvement. The, the counterpoint is, you know, because there was a report that they've done uh, 25 million players in 10 days, which is uh, tremendous, right? So it's possible that this article that I'm just following for Kotaku's clickbait and they're reporting on a forum post, and this could be something that we've experienced many times, which is a vocal minority griping really loudly. And it could be possible that the data inside of Activision Blizzard, they're saying, Ethan's a fucking idiot. This is hitting its revenue targets. Nobody cares about these forum users because the silent 
uh, the silent and much louder player base are behaving as we want them to, and they're happy in their spending, right? Could could be either one. Uh, we're going to have to you know wait for the quarterly or annual results to to start learning uh, what the truth is, I guess. So battle passes do work. They do need to be balanced and they have to be integrated correctly. Quick look at the video of how it was integrated in Overwatch and then reading some of the comments. It sound, to me, this sounds like it, if there is an issue, it's more, it looks like a balancing problem. And it, I think it can absolutely be adjusted and then it would work much better. And also uh, players complain about everything. When I, mm-hmm. when I peeked at, when, when you started writing about this article, I found a counter article about how players were complaining about loot boxes. Right. So you're going to get players complaining regardless. And they usually complain about monetization features. And just as you mentioned, they're, they're going to complain and then it's still going to perform well. I've seen that mm-hmm. many, many times where there is a very passionate group of players that hate a feature, but then you see, and you see like on the, you know, on the, on the, on the backside that it performing really well and yeah. it's, you're going to get complaints. Most of the time you're going to get complaints. If it's like the, if you gave everyone one free milkshake, they'd go, Oh, only one free milkshake. Greedy devs. Um, but <laughs> I think, I think there's a, a GDC talk like a decade ago from Ben cousins, who was working on battlefield and bringing in, in-app purchases in battlefield and bringing battlefield free to play. And, and if my memory serves correctly, the research they did was that the people complaining the loudest on their forums about in-game purchases we're making all those purchases. Like the people who were saying, like they were able to tie accounts together and say, oh, this person said they'd never ever buy this stuff. And look, they've bought a ton of it. And that was like, you you have to balance out what you're seeing on social media and on forums and in news articles with the actual data. And and until we until we get some disclosures from from the quarterly earnings, we won't we won't know whether this is um, true controversy. And, and if they're taking, you know, if they made a misstep, a serious misstep here with poor tuning out of the gate, or if, you know, it's just loud people complaining. I mean, I, I, I think it could be the way I read this is it's simply like they just did not balance this battle pass very well in terms of the rewards that you're getting for the effort it's required, right? And it's a valid complaint, right? You need to feel like you're achieving something as you go through this, the battle pass. I think the, the uh, I mean, they, and it's something probably that they can fix, but there's so many problems with this game, just generally speaking, that like that we've talked about before is that this game is not big enough or new enough to really bring back the audience and keep them playing for any significant amount of time, in my view, anyway. It's the same game, and there's too many competitions out there. So they think have to do better. The 25 right? million in and, 10 days is, is a good enough? Like, is that a strong start? No? No. I mean, yeah, it's a strong start, but it, it, mm-hmm. it's a question of churn, right? I mean, how often, how many are going to stick around, right? Like, you know, Blizzard is just huge, right? So anything they come out with, they're going to get this kind of results. But um, but it's just a question of how long people stay and how, how if they spend. And clearly, you know, it's funny, they should be more generous with the early, you know, Battle passes, right? They should have known. I, I, I would think, anyway. This is when we really need Adam Telford to like speak knowledge, right? But they should have been just more generous and more, you know, more cooler stuff in the first battle pass, right? Yeah. That, to get people engaged. And if they're messing that up, that's kind of worrisome. But that's something that's fixable, though. Like, and so I, I, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe the second it's, battle it's pass fixable. will be better. 
I just don't think anybody's going to be there. You only get one launch, <laughs> right? The, to, which is why I was saying it. Yeah, it exactly. really reads like it needed more time iterating based on player data. Because, uh, yeah, the, the grind sounds uh, really uh, too heavily weighted towards monetization and, and not enough towards player delight. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the big topic. Meta's flagship metaverse, Horizon Worlds. Uh, Cress, why don't why don't you start as we uh, go back to the metaverse and talk about legs? It's there's back legs. to the metaverse. We've solved it. So there's legs now, except it, yes, did yeah, you exactly. see that the, the legs um, were fake? There's there's <laughs> no. I I said I did read that. I didn't I didn't look into it. Sorry, I'm 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 sidetracking uh, us. Already. Anyway, I go ahead. You know, like no, I know, I know. There is context to this because I, I don't want to just feel like I'm just beating up on the metaverse or, or meta in general or Facebook or whatever you want to call them. Is that I was on these calls with these bulls on VR that were talking about, you know, Oculus Quest as the second coming and that this is going to make it a mainstream de device for mainstream users. And, you know, the price point is right and all this other stuff. And they were just talking absolutely crazy. Right. And I was the only one on this person on this thing saying, look. This was because there were no consoles available at the last holiday and it was a great device and they marketed the shit out of this thing, right? You know, they're spending gajillions of dollars trying to get this thing sold. And it's not about how many units are sold. It's about how much engagement is. And all and these people on this call were saying the exact same thing. Is, it, is it exactly what I knew was not true was that engagement was really high and that people were playing this, you know, after the holidays, right? And it's just not, I, anyway, I did not believe it was true. So anyway, so this report is from gameindustry.biz. And they're basically just talking about Horizon Worlds, which I know is just one product and it's a pretty shitty product. But, um, and, and, you know, it's like a work in progress type thing. But they initially wanted to get build a community around 500,000 active users by the end of 2022 was kind of their goal, according to this report. Um, and then they revised that to about 280,000 in recent weeks. Uh, but now their MAU count stands at 200,000, right? So they're well below their expectations in terms of, you know, building a community around Horizon Worlds, which is kind of their VR, you know, metaverse play. Um, so, but I mean, to put it in that perspective, you know, obviously they have 3.5 billion MAUs amongst Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. So like, you know, obviously their targets are quite, quite a bit lower than that, the article says. They also say um, that uh, there was an article or a memo from uh, the vice president of uh, the metaverse group that basically said even the employees aren't really using this product as much as they at all, right? For a variety of reasons. And, and then the internal documents, as I've been saying since the very beginning of the Quest success is that the quest retention rates are also struggling with overall decline in the past three years. And over 50%, 50% of quest headsets are no longer used six months after they are purchased. Okay. That is fucking horrific. Okay. You, you have to understand that the reason that console business is so good is that when people buy consoles, they keep buying games for years. You know, they buy lots of games at first, like four to four to five, you know, on average, and then it goes down to three to two, whatever but they're always active on the platform. That's what makes consoles amazing. And so this is the part that people don't quite understand about building new platforms. 
So 50% of the headsets are no longer used within six months is freaking terrible, right? And I, I bet, and, and the amount that the ones that are used, used seems very low as well. Um, so anyway, so my take on this is simple, right? They probably sold about 15 million units of the Quest 2 roughly at this point, right? Not to mention all the other, you know, Oculus that have been sold. So maybe they have a 20 million, 25 million headsets out there, right? Um, and you're talking about 200,000 people are actually playing this game out of that many people that have bought these, these headsets. That's terrible. It's terrible. This is their flagship product that they're advertising, right? That's, it's insane, you know? And it basically, it just confirms exactly what I've been saying all along is that the VR is just not something that people continue to be engaged in. It, it is, it, it's a tchotchke experience that people go in, try it, and then it just collects dust on, on your on your desk, like mine is right here, you know? Um, and then the second thing is I don't think people really want to spend time in a VR universe and build up their profiles right now. It's just not something the customer's really looking for in absence of everything else, right? I don't that doesn't seem the way people want to experience content. And it's and, and I'm not saying that horizon is the end of of VR and, 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 you know, virtual reality and, and metaverse type thing. I'm just saying like, it is an experience that no one really is interested in pursuing based upon this reporting. Um, and then probably, and, and again, during this time, we're talking about at the lowest point in call of duty's history, they probably have 15 to 20 million people playing on a monthly basis, right? Like it is like in the shit house right now. Right. But we're still seeing that. And FIFA is like in the thirties, right? Like, like, this is the type of content, this is the type of experiences that people are engaging with on a regular basis and which makes a successful platform, right? And that's why VR is so nascent. The metaverse is so nascent. It is going to be decade before we start to see the type of engagement numbers that we, we see from the consoles that we see today or even mobile for that matter. Um, and so that's kind of my whole point. And again, I'm not trying to, you can't really extrapolate on one you know, one game. I understand that. But I'm saying that this is the primary, uh, the big investment that Facebook is making in terms of, of a product and also a service for their platform. And it's just not working because right. people don't, aren't well, interested. And, I mean, the, um, and I'll, so. I'll um, talk a little bit about uh, Horizon in a minute, but doesn't, aren't, isn't VR chat, like VR chat and Rec Room are working for the people who have quests and they have much higher DAU and MAU count. And those seem to be experience, you know, third party experiences, not first party experiences that are finding product market fit as opposed to horizon, uh, which just doesn't, uh, is not connecting with people. Doesn't look, you know, doesn't look great in images or videos, doesn't look compelling, doesn't have anybody building for it. So like, and is uh, from the reports extremely buggy. So it seems like uh, there are people who own the headsets and want a VR avatar-based world, and they're being served by VR chat and by um, Rec Room more than Horizon. I uh, think I'm with Ethan on this. I think the the desire is there. I just and I, but I agree that the content is not there. There's nothing to do once you check out the main games. There's, I mean, for, if you're not into the, if you're not into the rec room, there's, there's literally not that much to do. There's not an, as you say, there's not enough games. Um, there's, it, 
it's still, I think, I think the experience itself of putting on that headset and the, in, how ease, how the ease of use is still something that Meta needs to improve and not with the $1,500 new, you know, Oculus Pro. If they want more people playing games, they need, they need to fix that first, hands down. It, there's nothing worse than not having enough to do and wanting something to do in, in a, using the VR headset and then also having it be uncomfortable after a certain amount of time. And no one wants to sit by a plug. Like the battery life still isn't there as well. I just think there's, it's not just, it can get there. I wish Meta was investing in solving those problems, um, getting more creators to develop fun and interesting games and experiences, and then also investing in putting more time into the hardware to make it better. I think the desires there, this, the execution is is not what, at least definitely not what I want. When I had to choose what to take in my suitcase to Seattle from London, I picked my PS5 over my Oculus. The Oculus is somewhere in the ocean right now, sailing over. Right. Uh, not in not in the water. <laughs> not not <laughs> on top the water. of the ocean. All right. Uh, Laura, I'm going to be really interested uh, in your reaction to, um, I'm trying to read the tea leaves on horizon on this uh on these memos that that eric mentioned so there was a report last week um on the verge that meta's flagship app is too buggy and employees are barely using it and here are um two quotes from the article from the verge in one of the memos to employees dated september 15th meta's vp of metaverse vishal shah said the team would remain in quality quality lockdown for the rest of the year Currently, feedback is that the aggregate weight of paper cuts, stability issues, and bugs is making it too hard for our community to experience the magic of Horizon. Simply put, for an experience to become delightful and retentive, it must first be usable and well-crafted. And then another quote is, a key issue with Horizon's development to date, according to Shah's internal memos, is that the people building it inside Meta appear not to be using it too much. Our dog-fooding dashboards show this pretty clearly, and 15 days later, in a follow-up memo, he said it was clear employees still weren't using Horizon enough, writing that the plan that a plan was being made to hold managers accountable for having their teams use Horizon at least once a week. Um, so reading between the lines on these memos, here's what my spider sense as a game producer and team lead are telling me about the challenges that are being faced. So one is ownership. Um, if they're in quality lockdown, my guess is whoever is the ultimate owner of Horizon has not enforced a high enough quality bar blocking releases. At the end of the day, there's one person or maybe a team that's responsible for saying this release is ready for users. And if they're putting it in quality lockdown, either that leader is being negligent in approving releases or they have just deferred too many bugs and too much tech debt in the name of hitting dates. Right. So there's there's a lack of ownership there. I think there's probably overly aggressive deadlines in that if the, you know, if a team is not using its own product enough to spot and fix obvious errors, a lot of times it can be traced to overly aggressive or unrealistic deadlines. So people are probably working down to the wire to close bugs, finish features and hit ship dates. And when you're under that type of pressure, when you're already working overtime just to hit what's uh, expected of you and you hit your release dates, someone saying, and make sure to play the thing. It just sounds like unpaid homework. It's like, I just put in N hours this week to hit this release date. And now you're saying I'm not, like, I'm not spending the little downtime I have 
playing this thing because I'm working up to the deadline fixing bugs um, every time. There's uh, probably a lack of access story, right? There was a story in Business Insider reporting that um, when Zuck urged Meta employees to have meetings in the Metaverse met in Horizon, most of them didn't have devices, right? So this is like expecting uh, your developers to play games without dev kits if you're if you're working on console or without phones. Like I, it, it, when I was at Network, they gave everyone a stipend to get a high-end mobile device to make sure you had a device capable of playing the games you were working on. Um, and then a the fourth problem I think is happening is lack of motivation. Like the Horizon team is not in love with their product. And I've worked on plenty of products that I or the team were not in love with and just had to adopt a mercenary attitude and get it done. And, and it feels like, you know, reading between the tea leaves, it seems like this is a giant product, top-down mandate. Like people are not filled with a sense of ownership, mission, and motivation. They're just being like forced to work on this thing that nobody believes in. And then, you know, they're hitting their aggressive deadlines and shipping buggy product and nobody loves it. So this this all feels like the constellation of what I think <laughs> is happening inside this team. I, 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 I This is my other point. That's all they got, right? No one else is building for their no, platform. There are a lot of right? games. Like, who else there, is going to build? There are a lot of the, games. And a lot no. There are no developers. I mean, no. There are very few developers of, of Note that are capable of building anything even close to this that are working on this. This is this is that this is like kind of a flagship to them, right? You know, proof of concept, but also like it's not like they have legions of developers like like Microsoft and Sony working on their on their platform. They just don't. It's just not happening, right? That's part of the reason that that uh, the, the Oculus dude left. I think it's a challenge, right? Impossible to get people on board to build for this thing. It's just not compelling enough. Yeah. And um, and so anyway, so like this is their major initiative internally with their dev development teams, all these teams that they acquired, some of the best teams for VR, and this is all they got, right? You know, and so if this fails, like how long is it going to build take to build the next thing? You know, so again, you need compelling content, and that's just not what we're seeing coming out for VR at all. Um, this is so. very reminiscent to me of Facebook Workplace. They made something that, in theory, would work really well, but it was, and I don't know. If, I mean, I, I haven't worked at Meta. I don't know if it was if it was adopted by Meta, but I think it, it was. It struggled to be picked up by other companies to be used as their workplace their, their workplace chat. And what I think most companies really wanted at the end of the day was something closer to Slack. Um, so this, to me, is starting to feel very similar. And I agree. I think they're pushing something that. I think they're pushing the wrong sides. We have this problem. I've seen the problem before where I mean, I'm willing to give them one out. I've seen the problem before where if you're working on a product, there there comes a point in time where you just you can't play it anymore because all you've mm -hmm. done is you've played it, you've built for it. it I get that, right? So um, let's give them a little bit of you know they, they can have they can have that one. But um, the, there's the, I think the the main problem I think is. I think I agree. I think it has to do with this. I would agree with most of what your hypotheses are as to what the issues are, but I still stand by. I know Eric, you you, you know think some of the partnerships that Netflix are are putting are coming up with are crazy for them. But I actually think Meta should be taking the same approach. 
they need content. They need to be throwing content at this because they haven't found something that works for everyone. Some of the games are, are good, but and, and just to get them in and then they can port them over to, to uh, Horizon, but they just need people using using the headset. And so whether that's an, a partnership with Ubisoft or something else that, you know, Eric would go crazy and say, this is a terrible idea that I feel like they're not also looking enough at the partnerships to get more people building stuff for, for Oculus and, or even within, I mean, I haven't, I, I mean, obviously, as I said, my Oculus is on the ocean, but I haven't looked at Horizon in my head. I'm picturing it's something like Roblox or some sort of. It's like PlayStation Home. Kind of. It's like a Second Life PlayStation Home. It's very, um, it's very vanilla. Like if you look at VR chat, like VR chat is anime. It's, you know, to delve into a topic I went last week, like it's sexy, it's anime, it's a little thirsty. Like I think, and it's got users. I mean, well, and then Rec Room on the other side is very Roblox. Like Horizon looks very corporate. It looks boring then they need to make it not boring forget like throw locking down your team i would start trying crazy things with it that's what i would do if this is my serious this is the same thing that we talked a little bit about the when clash quest was with sunset i don't think they experimented it when things weren't going the numbers they weren't going their way i think the changes they made weren't they weren't taking a big enough risk to see what else would work. And I think that is similar to what's happening here. I would start throwing random stuff, not random, but I would I would start experimenting a lot and figuring out what is it that people want that they're not finding. It shouldn't be more of the same. And by the way, the, the numbers for Rec Room back in April, I mean, I don't think they foot right now. Like they've, they've seen huge declines in the, in the number of users that are active on that platform. I don't think they're growing in any significant way. And I question their number of 3 million actors on VR. This one's uh, an interesting step. So, but I'm not, just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing, I'm not, I think Rec Room is actually the right idea. Cross platform, cross everything, right? You could do it everywhere, right? That makes a lot more sense than trying to build a VR only thing. And I, and I like those guys, but I'm, um, but I don't think 3 million is VR users is, is an accurate number at this, at this stage of the uh, game. Here's um, so here's the data I wanted to share from the recent like quest event. Um, uh, Meta announced that users have spent about one and a half billion on games and apps on the quest store to date. One third of the nearly 400 titles on the quest store have made at least a million in revenue and around 33 quest titles have made more than 10 million in gross revenue up from 22 titles in February, 2022. So, I mean, I know that's, those numbers are probably small potatoes if you're used to looking at AAA console titles, but for, you know, there's, it, it seems like there is opportunity there for small mid-size indie studios. No, 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 no. See, this is, is it? no. It's because it's about engagement. It's not about numbers like that. Like that you can't throw numbers out like that when they were selling like 10 to 15 million over the holidays, right? Like, yes, engagement went up. People were spending briefly. But the problem is you need longer term engagement. Like I said, it's all yeah. about trailing month tie ratios. It's about people continuing to buy games to support your platform and more people get into the ecosystem and buy. This is like this is like Console 101, platform 101, like it's not, no, that is not a viable platform 
If that's all they've done with that many people that have, have bought the consoles, no, it's pathetic. It's only like three games that, that are probably worthwhile at this stage in, in terms of actual revenue generated. You know, it's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. So, and that's what I was trying to make people understand is that if you don't have engagement, you can't build a business and get developers on board. Like any respective developer would never build for this type of platform because they know they would, why would you buy build for this versus building for a console? Right. You know, like that, you know, engagement's going to be there. Right. You got you to betting on the wrong horse, unless Facebook is spending a shit ton of money to get them there. Right. Which they are. And good. You know, you're getting guaranteed money. That's fine. But that's not a long term strategy. All right. You know, well, I will um, let the final word at least that's go a- to Eric Kress on this. It's been another <laughs> delightful episode. And I think next week we need an embargo. No Netflix, no cloud gaming, no metaverse talk. Let's see if we can get through an hour without those three topics next week. All right. Dude, I, I it's not it's not really me it's, wanting it's to talk about it. It's just yeah. there's a lot of press right now about it really is. The news cycle is just completely goo goo gaga on Metaverse and, and Netflix these days. Netflix really re- released a good earnings report, yeah. right? In terms of like subscriber growth. So that's right, part well, of the reason. If, if, if you'll you're probably listening, hear more about that, but, but we, I promise. If you're I listening, you make games. So go make some news for us to talk about. Otherwise, Ooh. we're talking about Netflix and cloud gaming all week long. All right. <laughs> Eric, Laura, thank you so much. It's been fun. See ya.